<laughs> All right, here we go. Acts chapter 10. Um, uh, let's just begin right there. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now... Send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called for two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. I love that, what the angel says to him. Cornelius, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who's called Peter. It's, it's this, uh, first of all, alms, you guys, we don't say that a lot now, but it means charity. It means generosity and compassion specifically towards the poor. And Cornelius was someone who was consistently living out of generosity and compassion. And here we see in the scripture that in answer to his prayers and his generosity, it says that there was a memorial, remembrance before God. It has ascended to God, and he has seen what you have done, and he has heard what you've prayed. And in answer to that, this angel appears. You guys, you need to know that your prayers and your generous life goes up before God. It ascends to God, and he hears and sees, and you will have your answer. So keep going. He remembers our prayers. And then the angel says, now in response to this, I am here. In response to these prayers, I am here. But it doesn't stop there. Then, because we don't, we don't just pray and remain in that place, we then have an answer to that. The angel responds, and then he has a job for Cornelius to do. And he says, therefore, now send men to go get Simon. Simon, who is called Peter, in the house of a different Simon, which I think is just funny. But I love that it's in there. Verse 9. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and he wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners. Upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. And this happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. By the way, this, this word common, it means, it means defiled. It means unclean. It's, you know, as you guys know, or maybe you don't know, the Jews were called to a specific lifestyle unto God to be consecrated. So there were many different things that would defile them. They would be ceremonially unclean. And these, all of these animals were unclean. 
And so he says, this is, this is common. This is for everyone else, but definitely not for the Jews. That's what this means. This is we're set apart and holy. And then the Lord says to him, do not call common, do not call unclean that's what, that which has been, God has made clean. And I, I love this interaction with Holy Spirit, by the way. Look at how this went down. This Holy Spirit and Peter are interacting, and Peter's hungry. He's up on the roof, and he's hungry. You know, his stomach's like, it's like, hey, guys, can you make me something to eat? And while he's sitting there thinking about food, then God converses with Peter in that context. Do you see that? God chose to speak to Peter based on something that was going on with Peter. We did a whole teaching on communicating with God. And here's a perfect example that God's like, okay, because God could have talked about that, the, that like, what we're about to see happen, something that used to be unclean is now clean. It didn't have to be food, but he meets him right there in that moment. Isn't that, that's just a fun, that's just a fun thing about our Lord. He's relating to him. I, it reminds me, the, relation, the relational part of this reminds me of when Jesus had told the disciples where he said, I no longer call you slaves. I call you my friends because I tell you everything I'm doing. And, and Peter, is, he's living this out. Here's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, my friend, you know, your stomach's kind of rumbling. You want something to eat? Here's a, here's a vision to show you what I'm doing in the kingdom. I'm thinking about how many of us would be tempted to just dismiss the whole thing if that happened. You know, you're up on the rooftop. You're really hungry. You kind of fall into a weird trance. It's like, whoa, I must be a little, I think I have heat stroke. I think I'm hallucinating a little bit. You know, I, just, I, probably, should, I probably should get out of the sun. But this is a relationship with Holy Spirit, and Peter's aware of it. He sees this, and, um, and he responds to this. He's pondering what's going on. I, I think that even right now, I just want to pray for us that we would be sensitive when the Lord speaks, because we're, we're going to see something unfold that's pretty miraculous that's coming out of this that Peter just had as he was having a, a, a trance, having a vision up on a rooftop while he's hungry. So I'm just going to pray for us. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be present with you, that we would have listening ears, God. God, I pray that you would help our hearts to be perceptive to you in every way which you communicate with us. We ask this in Jesus' name. So Peter is, he's there and it says, now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and they called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and he said, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by an angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. And so he invited them in to be, to, uh, to be his guests. Notice what Peter says. What is the reason for your coming? Peter's having an encounter with God. Holy Spirit is giving Peter a direct download, intel from heaven... And yet Peter still has to ask these servants, hey, 
what's the reason that you're here? Isn't that interesting? God is speaking to both Cornelius and Peter directly. However, he's also involving them both in the process. Do you see that? He doesn't give just one of them all the information. He's speaking to them both. So this thing's unfolding. Verse 24. The next day he rose and he went away with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So, when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, why you sent for me? So there it is again. What an incredible juxtaposition, right? Of like, God just told me that this thing, for as long as we've been a nation, that I'm not even allowed to interact with you, is no longer in effect. You are no longer to be referred to as unclean and defiling. And so I'm here. So why am I here? That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> so you just, you look at this exchange. And, I, and it makes me think about for us, the way that God is doing this. You know that we need each other. Like, we actually need each other. Every one of us is created for and does hear the communication from the Lord. Though maybe some of you don't perceive it yet, you will. You will. And as you do perceive it, it does not replace the fact that you still need to receive from the Lord from other humans. He's not going to skip telling you things directly that he's already told you through someone else. He does not remove that. You know why? Because we are actually saved into a kingdom and a family. And we need one another. When he said, love God with all your heart, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, that's how everything works is in that context. And so even as God is now preparing, he's bringing the Gentiles into the kingdom, he begins with this incredible interdependent flow of Peter and Cornelius listening to the voice of God, but then having to listen and interact with one another. You guys are seeing this? Verse 30. And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold... A man stood before me in bright clothing, and he said, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who's called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner, by the sea. And so I sent for you at once, and you've been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. What does that sound like? Come on, they're being the church, and they're having a Sunday meeting. 
Let me just read that to you again. We are here together in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. They're being the church. That's why we're here, guys. Do you know why we're here? We're gathered here to be in the presence of the Lord and to hear all that he has commanded. That's just a good word right there. For those of you that are joining us online, come on in. The presence of the Lord is here. He's with you because there is grace. But it's better here. So Peter opened his mouth and he said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he's Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him appear, not to all people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Here, I want to I unpack this just a little bit. It says, Jesus appeared not to all people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses. So here we see again the relational way of God with us. We are witnesses. God won't appear to some until after we have shared with them about him. Did you catch that? Let me, let me, let me, let me uh, unpack that for you for a minute. Remember, so Jesus, Jesus didn't appear to everyone who saw him crucified. He did to about 500 people. You guys know this in the account. 500 people. He came. He ate with them. He talked with them. He spent time. He taught with them. And then he entrusted to them that they were to begin to go tell others about him. Are you guys seeing this? He didn't appear to everyone. He appeared to a few and then said, now you go tell everyone. In fact, remember when Apostle Thomas was like, look, unless I see him, I am not going to believe. i got to put my fingers through the holes, stick my hand in his side, and then I will believe. Jesus shows up, walks through a wall, shows up. Thomas, go ahead. Put your fingers in the holes, stick your hand in my side. And he goes, oh my gosh, Lord, you really are alive. That's amazing. That's amazing. And then, and then what does Jesus say to him? He says, very, that's very good. You believe because you've seen. But then Jesus says, but blessed are they who having not seen will believe. Jesus is Lord. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness. God wants us to carry the message of Jesus Christ to others, and then he will confirm it with the Holy Spirit. But we are carrying that. And he has called for us to interact one with another. There is no independent following of Jesus. We are interdependent. We're in this together. And even as he's doing this, we see it keep happening. He's doing it throughout. He wants to speak to us. And he wants to speak, he wants to, speak to individuals. But he causes us to have to interact together. You guys with me? Have you noticed this is like basically a one-point sermon so far? If you have, you're paying attention. Good job. Good job. 
If you noticed other points, you're getting off track. Okay, so as Peter is sharing about Jesus Christ now, he's saying, listen, this is Jesus. This is what he's done. And as he's sharing, verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and then they asked him to remain for some days. He preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's heard from the Lord to come. Cornelius just heard to call for him. He shows up. He begins to teach about Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit's poured out on the Gentiles, a group of people that were not able to receive citizenship And now suddenly, God is saying, everyone can come in through the name of Jesus Christ. And he confirms it by baptizing them with the Holy Spirit, which Peter understands. And he goes, wait a minute. If the Holy Spirit has been poured out on them, they've got everything they need. There's no need for us to say more. That's not what he said. He said, if they've been given the Holy Spirit, then who should forbid them to be baptized now? Isn't that interesting? They've been baptized with fire, and Peter goes, well, then they better be baptized with water. Now, we would think the opposite probably, right? But Peter directs that if they have received the Holy Spirit, they've clearly been accepted by God. This is amazing. Truly, I understand God shows no partiality, he says. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Again, This is an act of will. This is an activity. You don't just go, yeah, I believe Jesus is great, but I also believe in having multiple wives and doing whatever I want. It's kind of an open thing. I'm I'm all about love. No. It's you believe in Jesus and you do what is right. And this is why Peter says if they've received the Holy Spirit, they believed in Jesus, they've received the Holy Spirit, now they must do all that Jesus commands them, starting with baptism in water. Do you see that? He immediately calls them to become a disciple of Christ. In our lawless age, well, before I get to that, let's just, let's just rejoice for a moment in what just happened because we've actually been born into this where we don't really deal with an issue of like, oh my goodness, there's these terrible boundaries and I just can't get into the kingdom of heaven. We were born into the most free, amazing, incredible era that's yet been experienced in the history of the world because his kingdom continues to expand. And even people who don't know him yet believe in freedom. Come on, somebody say amen. This is the extension of the kingdom. There's no separation of any kind. All boundaries have been removed by Jesus from coming into the kingdom. It's not based on race. It's not based on gender. It's not based on ethnicity or geography or class or any other classification. Everything that would keep you out of the kingdom based on how you were born, when you were born, who you were born with, where you've been, has been removed. If you will believe in Jesus Christ and do what is righteous, you can come into the kingdom. That's huge. That's what just happened, and this is, the, this is the first time. This is where it happened. It broke open. It's incredible. And then he calls them to full obedience to become disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay, if he's let you in, then let's tell you how the kingdom works. 
And this is really important for us right now because we live in a time where there's such a temptation to embrace lawlessness and decide, I've received the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys have received the Holy Spirit? And, and it's, it's amazing. It's like the first thing the Holy Spirit does, it says, is that it gives us the spirit of adoption whereabout we understand, like, I, I truly actually am a son or a daughter of God. And that's 100% true. But the spirit of this age says, yeah, so you're great, so just do what feels right to you. Like, good, you've got the spirit of God, awesome. Then your instincts are probably amazing now. And everything that you think is probably a really good idea. Well, that's what the world teaches. And you're like, well, that's working for me. Awesome. But that's not what Peter is showing here. He says, then be baptized with water. Become a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are now called to obey everything Jesus called you to do. The Holy Spirit will now teach you and form Christ in you to follow Christ and his fulfillment of the scriptures. Are you guys with me? We're baptized in repentance from sins. We're identified with Christ in his death and now his resurrection. We're filled with the Holy Spirit to learn from him and become like him in every area of our lives. And I, I think this is such a beautiful space for us to see that with the Gentiles, they received the Holy Spirit first and then they were brought into becoming followers of Christ. Many of us have been followers of Christ and we've been sort of waiting for the Holy Spirit. But either way, we're called together to live out as one in Christ everything that he's called us to. And we do that, we do that together. I want to share one quick story for you and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. This has probably been for me the most challenging area. And I bet many of you would, would identify with this. But I had such a hard time receiving this because honestly, uh, I didn't trust people. And so for me, this, that, my, my uh, version of following the Lord was pretty much like, yeah, if the Lord tells me that directly, like, it's already a yes. Whatever he tells me, I'm going to do it. But people would come to me and say, Joshua, I really want you to consider this, that I, I feel like you're actually off base here, or you need to, you need to consider this scripture, or you need to do, do this thing. And, and, I would be, and I would literally say this to him and say, listen, I'm 100% willing to do that, but I'm going to need to hear the Lord say that to me directly. And then I will do it, which sounds very pious. I mean, right? That sounds reasonable. Uh, but, but where my heart was with that was I don't actually trust other people. And unless the Lord himself says to me to do this thing, I am literally just dismissing what you have to say. And the Lord convicted me and he just said, Joshua, I am not going to say to you directly what I've already said to you through your brothers and sisters. And he said, I didn't give you the second commandment as some arbitrary thing to see if you would be obedient. I gave you the second commandment, which is love your neighbor as yourself, because you actually need your neighbor. You can't live without your neighbor. Your neighbor needs you, and you need your neighbor. And you're going to receive from me through each other things that I'm not going to give you directly. And we see this play out here, didn't we? We just saw Cornelius and Peter as they're following God who's bringing all of us now. We're all here because God threw open the gates through Jesus Christ and here's where it started. And as God was doing that, we see that incredible relational way that he's done it. May we also embrace that we must receive from God through one another as well as directly. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you.
Father, we're here right now and we recognize, God, that we all have our own experiences and our own uh, attitudes, our own wiring. But Lord, we put that all before you. We're grateful for it, but it is not a lens or a filter that you have to pass through. So Lord, if there's anything in our lives or in our hearts or in our habits that is contrary to you, Jesus Christ, and your teaching, then we want to ask that you would begin to confront that and convict that, and by your mercy, would you begin to remove that? We are willing that you would show us those areas. And we ask, God, that you would knit our hearts back together in those places, Lord, where we have become independent. God, we, we, we have been hurt. We've been through a lot in the last few years, Lord, and there's a sense of distrust that the enemy is sowing into our culture right now and into our own hearts in some ways. And we want to ask that you'd remove that, that you'd heal us, Lord, and that we would trust one another again and receive from you through one another in some places that, that that has become strained and hard. So will you heal us? We are willing, Lord, in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that prayer, would you say amen?